It's hard saying no to somebody you love. When people close to you want to indulge in vices with them, overeating, drinking, binging, staying out all night, and so on, it can feel even harder to tell them no. But it's also cringeworthy to stomach the thought of demolishing months of your hard work. In this episode, the good Dr. Cashy talks about both sides of the no, how the no feels for us, how the no feels for them, and how that perspective changes the way we have these conversations. Roll the intro! Good day, everybody. Good morning. And welcome to today's episode of Coffee with Cashy. I'm your host, Dr. Trevor Cashy, and I have some wonderful news. Wonderful news point number one. I just pulled this shirt out of the dryer, and it is soft and warm and feels fabulous, especially while I'm sitting out here on my beachside via drinking what I thought was a full cup of coffee, but what it actually is, is like a double espresso shot thing. So there's actually like this much in here, which means my obnoxiously tiny sips have to be even more obnoxiously tinier to make this last. I think we can manage everybody. So that being said, oh, thank you, Becca, that is sweet. You're breathtaking. I'm, I'm gonna do a little bit of a continuance on what we spoke about yesterday, but this is still this is still stand alone, as it were, uh, talking about when people are pushing stuff on you. That maybe if you did it, it would probably be a silly decision for you. Uh, sometimes, when you politely decline a person's offering or whatever, uh, they try to make you feel like you're a buzzkill, right? A party pooper. Even my own grandmother, who is 93 now, I think, bless her, she's awesome and beautiful. <laughs> she calls me a teetotaler. Uh, for those of you that are too young to know what that is, because I sure was, uh, she's basically calling me like a party prude. Uh, she uses it as a half-joking, half-joking derogatory term for me because I drink things other than booze. Bless her. She's the one who taught me about putting Grand Marnier on ice cream, which is absolutely delicious, and I recommend it. <laughs> uh, this is... This is a common reason people give in, uh, putting their own objectives on the back burner, uh, fear of missing out, fear of losing their perceived status with whomever is you know, making an offering or pushing something on them, a fear of losing your darn mind. And you just want to shut the person up. So like, oh, God, just leave me alone. Fine, I'll do it. Right. That's also a thing. <laughs> uh, and people cite that when you opt out of doing something unhealthy or counterproductive, it, it makes a push yourself aware. Like, oh, if somebody offers you a drink, you go, no, man, I don't drink, then it makes them feel bad about drinking, right? This is you know, what a lot of people talk about all the time. And in their self-conscious state, they push harder to justify their behavior, thereby distracting themselves from the silly decisions that they're making. This is a common sort of mantra that people have. And, and I do, do think that happens sometimes. Uh, and I'll address that somewhere else. I mentioned it specifically because today we're going to learn about, in my mind, the exact equal opposite of that. If before you were made to feel like a party pooper, this situation is where you feel pressure to comply, even to a nice and reasonable person, because you would feel like a party pooper. Instead of being made to feel like a party pooper, you, you put that on yourself. You are now the pooper. You are pooping on everybody's party. Even if the pusher 
or offer would otherwise be neutral to your decision of yes or no. <laughs> so what if you're self-conscious about other people being self-conscious? I know it's kind of meta, but this is a thing, right? This is where you would feel really empathetic toward people, sparing them from emotional discomfort, even if you're the one paying the cost. I understand this is sort of meta. It's a, like a meta indirect form of, of people pleasing, I guess. Uh, it's hardly ever discussed, like ever. And so for that reason, I'm going to give you all some love. <laughs> and I think it's something that everybody can learn a bit from, too, because everybody's experienced this in some way or another, and it's, it's good to identify that sort of stuff. You know, okay, how do I say this? I, I've, I've worked with and I still work with a lot of people who partake in social activities that sabotage their progress. But here's the kicker. Some of these people, they know it's a goofy decision. Maybe, maybe they even have a bad time while they do it. <laughs> in many cases, people do things to distract themselves from negative feelings, which makes them feel worse later. But in this case, it might be a direct cause of negative feelings, just to spare the feelings of somebody else. Uh, outside of being around specific people or specific social situations, especially with family, they would otherwise stay on track. So this, this definitely struck home with me. Uh, my, my father and I always had a different idea of what it meant to be to, to have a good time. And whenever I declined, I saw disappointment in his eyes. Uh, what he was excited to share with me even if it was strippers or booze or recreational drugs of some sort, uh, all of the sudden that sounded horribly crappy to him. And part of me was like, yeah, woohoo, one last night of self-destruction. And another part of me was like, man, I made my pops feel like garbage. This sucks. Uh, I routinely get the feedback of, I feel so weird when I tell them no. Sometimes that makes them stop what they're doing altogether and their mood crashes. Right, so saying no to them, I feel okay about saying no, but when I see them feel bad about me saying no, that makes me feel crappy. And so to spare them of that, I sabotage myself. See how meta and weird this is? But I, I hope it's making sense. Because I wonder about similar situations you've been in. I do. It's easy to care about how other people feel when how they feel affects you, positive or negative. Right? Sometimes the people you really care about, if they feel good, it makes you feel a little bit better. If they feel bad, it makes you feel a little bit worse. If I'm in a crappy mood, the whole house probably knows. <laughs> and sometimes, many times, this impacts the morale of the whole house. And I can look back on, on a few occasions where people in my house would put the way I feel first, even if it had a negative impact on them later. And I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. One side or both sides. And all these feelings, these cognitions, and these behaviors are, are connected to each other. Remember, stimulus, response, and the space between. So let's increase the space between and eject some logic and keep everything moving along in terms of meeting our directives, accomplishing our objectives, right? Going in the direction of our intentions, so to speak. You might think you're responsible for the lifestyle decisions other adults make. You are responsible for your own. You might think you're responsible for the feelings other adults feel about those decisions. You are responsible for identifying and addressing your own feelings. Now, as a disclaimer, it is your responsibility to be civil and have good communication skills, <laughs> which is why I kind of cover all this stuff you know, in, in context or try to. Uh, being concerned for others is okay. Being concerned for others is good, especially those people you care about. I think that's reasonable, okay? 
That sense of duty, however, directing them to the help they need when they need help is where your duty ends. Duty. Doing everything for them or sacrificing yourself on their behalf is different than directing them towards the help they need, okay? If they need it at all. So many of you are sicker, sadder, more resentful, more anxious, in worse shape, and fatter than you would ever otherwise be because you're more concerned about them than you are about yourself. And making poor choices to make others feel better, or in many cases, to keep others from feeling bad, even avoiding the hint, a hint of discomfort for somebody else, is a rough life to live, man. <laughs> you may have the position of peacemaker, martyring yourself. Uh, thankfully, that is a self-appointed position. And if you put yourself there, then you can also appoint yourself another position, one where the duty is to say yes to your objectives and criteria appropriate for your growth. Some people are manipulated or even gaslighted into thinking it is their job to keep the peace and make others feel better at the, at the expense of their health and sanity and their body. And, and this is disgusting. <laughs> it's disgusting. Uh, civilly declining people's arbitrary wants is a revelation to some. Like some people are like, holy crap, you mean I can say no to them? That's amazing, right? But most people understand the apparent necessity. Most people do like, okay, I know that if I want to get to where I need to be, I got to learn how to, you know, prioritize myself sometimes. However, taking it a step further, instead of saying no to the things you want or no to other people, it's really more about saying yes to yourself. And this is a revelation to many. This has the same practical outcome of avoiding self-destructive behavior, but the added benefit of progressing towards your objectives. I like that, saying yes. Way better than saying no. <laughs> and a quick, like, uh, man, so many people, so many people have completely lost their vision of what the difference is between making decisions that help you versus the decisions that serve to entertain everybody except you. And a quick reality check like this can be enough to take a step back and say, okay, alcohol makes me feel crappy. This food makes my stomach hurt. This drug makes me hazy for a few days and weeks of progress are now gone or more. <laughs> Taking another step back, it's easy to see how it actually builds resentment with the people who try and include you in these things. By trying to make them feel a certain way or preventing them from feeling a certain way that you think they will feel, because you're a mind reader now too, obviously, at the expense of your mind and body, uh, and you're, you're too exhausted to see that the people you care about, you like them less and less. So the more you give in, to what other people want at the expense of your mind and body to placate them or to make them feel better or to help them avoid a feeling that you think they will feel, you get exhausted and you lose sight of the fact that every time you do that, you like them less. It's, it, it happens, okay? And you also end up liking yourself less. And this, this is pernicious. It's creepy. It's creeping. So I'm going to repeat for emphasis. You might think you're responsible for the lifestyle decisions other adults make. You are responsible for your own. You might think you're responsible for the feelings other adults feel about those decisions. You are responsible for identifying and addressing your own. Now, there will be awkward growing pains. After all, that is the cost of growth. Eventually, yes, eventually, those around you will get the picture. Now, if you choose to be around people totally incapable of learning, then it's impossible for them to make new memories. As such, you should prioritize yourself because your doting is now moot. <laughs> 
You are capable of learning, so are they. Give them credit where credit is due. Trust that they will learn, just as you are learning. Feeling responsible for their feelings, I'm sure many of you know, is a pernicious path. It's a fancy way of saying it sneaks up and then blows up. Giving in, when you give in, it makes them feel good for all of two seconds. Really, that's like the, okay. It makes you upset with yourself and robs you of weeks or even months of work. And now, even worse, since this is an unspoken arrangement where you give in to what they want and they, think, they might think it is what you want uh, because you're trying to spare their feelings and keep them from feeling bad, you also become upset with them <laughs> because it's easy to build up in your mind that this person might be trying to screw you, but they are totally clueless and you're making decisions for them, reading their mind, see what this is telling the future, all sorts of crazy stuff, right? Even worse, worse, you're the only one that knows that it's happening. <laughs> and this can go on for a long time, years, causing massive damage to you and sometimes irreparable harm to relationships once it all comes to a head. So consider the outcomes. Consider the outcomes here. What is the discomfort they feel when you decide to finally say yes to yourself? If any. What is the discomfort you feel when you finally decide to say yes to yourself? Because there will be some. For sure. How does that compare to the discomfort you feel when you realize how resentful you've become of, of those people that you care about? You still love them, but now you might resent them because of some, some arrangement that has been made that nobody knows about <laughs> and the ugly changes it has made to your mind and body. Which situation generates more discomfort? How does the story play out if you live your life doting to everyone else's imaginary feelings? How does the story play out if you turn your wishbone into a backbone, resolving to say yes to yourself? Which situation generates more discomfort? All actions and outcomes, they will create discomfort to some degree. So that's really what I want to push here, is that a lot of people are looking for the, the O and one, the yes or no, the good or bad. Uh, what you can be certain is that in every outcome there will be discomfort. So with the yes or no discomfort out of the way, the next step is to decide which level of discomfort you prefer. <laughs> so many people are stuck in the psychological binary of good, bad, black, white, off, on, etc. when life exists on a continuum. For that reason, I think using visual analog scales is a great way to help make your decisions. You would recognize this when I show you one in a second. Essentially, instead of saying what is comfortable and what is uncomfortable, you can just be real about the discomfort. This way, you can have a visual cue of tiny discomfort and huge discomfort versus right or wrong. So here's, here's my little discomfort scale here that I drew for you guys out on the patio of my beachside via. My, my scientifically validated discomfort scale, right? Look at this beauty. Look at this beauty. Okay, make yourself a little discomfort scale going from, from one to 100. Draw it out. The discomfort is always there. You just choose how much. Instead of saying, oh, which is good and which is bad, it's like, well, discomfort, less or more. <laughs> Makes things way easier. It really does. Okay, what decisions are, are you going to have? What decisions are you going to make where you can, you can look back and say, yeah, the result outweighed the discomfort? This is a great way to look at this, I think. Everything's on a continuum. So that, that, is, that is what is right now Dr. Cashy's fix for feeling responsible for everybody else's feelings at, at the expense of your mind and body, which I find is absolutely absurd. So we can cheers to that on the beachside via in the morning.
<clears throat> I love you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hit me up with whatever you need. I'm here. Want to continue having coffee with Dr. Kashi? Head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It is very much appreciated. Thank you, and see you next week. Dr. Kashi is out! <laughs>